I'm Justin Lassick. And I'm Mike Badalino. And you're listening to 70s Big Radio. Your friends on your drive to your 9 to 5. Bienvenidos a la Cita del Amor. Welcome to the 70s Big Radio Show. This is episode 15. Yeah, it's 15. It is uh, November 17th, 2013. Having a fantastic morning. Mike, how are you? I woke up early to do the podcast, and by early, I only mean an hour early. But yeah, things are okay, considering. So, uh, a couple days ago, in the in the news, there, this news article came out, and Brian Wilson Brian is a Wilson. baseball player. Yeah. I a, knew you were going to mention this. He's a baseball player who has had an awesome beard for a really long time, and he dyes Outstanding it, beard. It, he dyes it black, and it, it looks absurd. And now it's well to his chest. And, <laughs> it's so awesome. And, uh, <laughs> so he was out and had a uh, he had uh, some elbow surgery and so he's Tommy Johns. Tommy, he came back and he and he pitched pretty well um, for the Dodgers and so the, the Yankees were looking at signing him and they required the Yankees have this weird uh, facial hair policy and you're only allowed to have a mustache it's like similar to the military and so they can only have a mustache and they can't have anything uh you know below the lips as far as facial hair goes so they're like okay well he has to shave his beard and brian wilson was like no and so they're like okay we're not gonna sign you see ya so the what do you think about the yankees having a facial hair policy and first off well yeah what do you think about their facial hair policy like how did that work out for them winning the world series oh wait the red sox did that's Are you a Red Sox fan? Yeah. Okay. You're from I'm from Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. You're a nor'easter. Um, I'm a yeah. Braves fan, so I fucking hate the Yankees. Uh, so I wouldn't want Brian Wilson to go to them anyway, because he's kind of awesome. Have you ever seen any of the videos that he made, uh, especially when he was interviewed by Fox Sports, uh, particularly the ones relating to the machine? No, and you know, I, I've read about it on Wikipedia a couple times, I, because I looked him up again yesterday. Because Brian Wilson is awesome, and yeah, for oh, a number of reasons. But yeah. I, I haven't watched that, and I need to. Maybe we'll find it. But uh, basically, he's uh, sitting on his couch, and they're interviewing him when he was uh, when he still was pitching for the Giants. And he's uh, at home, and he has his, he has like a little chihuahua or something. And then in the background, you can see into his kitchen, and a guy just walks into the scene who looks like I don't know, like a two seventy five lifter. Actually, he looks he looks like a big guy, and he's just wearing like. Uh, like leather underpants and like this leather thing bound across his chest and like one of those gimp masks like the gimp from the from pulp fiction you know what i'm talking about yeah okay so he's wearing like a gimp mask and he just walks in the background and that's it and the guy uh i can't remember his name right now the guy that works for fox sports was like what what was that and then brian wilson kind of smiles and he's like what was what and so then for the next few months like the machine became a topic with brian wilson and uh, they would ask him. They he would bring it up in interviews for no reason, and then they, <laughs> they would start asking his teammates like, "Who's the machine?" And then the, his teammates would just smile and go, uh, "We don't know who the machine is." But Brian Wilson's <laughs> fucking hilarious, and you know he also uh, turned down a million dollars from some uh, shaving company to shave his beard. Yeah, that's fantastic. I I just like to also point out that my mom offered me a lot of money to shave my beard, and I told her I wouldn't do it. What? She's the only one that doesn't like my beard. Yeah. And she she called me and she's like, "How much money would it take for you to shave?" I I said, "Infinite." She, I, it's not, it it's sounds not like it sounds like your mom is part of the liberal agenda. Uh, I don't know about that, Mike. Um 
Okay, next thing in in the news. This is this is probably a couple weeks old. It was uh, it flared up on the old social media Facebook style stuff. Um, but uh, I always say Lulu Melon, the Lulu Melon pants. But uh, Lululemon pants have I guess gotten popular with the ladies and some CrossFit people. But uh, they got all in a tizzy recently because the owner of Lulu Melon made a Lulu comment. Lulu Lemon. Lulu Lulu Lemon. Lulu Melon. They made a comment. He made a comment regarding like uh, about women. So basically, the pants were uh, pilling. What? Uh-huh. What? I didn't know what pilling was until about ten minutes ago. It, what? It, it's like it's like just fuzzy stuff, right? Yeah, it, you've probably ha- seen a couch in your life that had pilling. So it's basically fabric rubs together, and it just like it uh, fucking makes little fuzzies. And you said your mom knew about it, and my mom does too. My mom actually, when I went to college, got me a. Uh, a fucking little shaver to like shave fuzzies off of uh, off of couches or clothing, and I haven't. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's in the room that I'm sitting in right now. I haven't used it probably in like. Hey, seven hey years. bat! Hey, bat! Room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. I'm now. I'm working. All right. So. Uh, okay. So the women are complaining. These pants are pilling, and the seams are coming undone. And these pants cost like seventy to like a hundred, over a hundred dollars. Which I don't know why you'd fucking buy pants that are a hundred dollars anyway but so they're interviewing the guy about this and he says he's like ah there's always been pilling the thing is that women will wear seatbelts that don't work and i don't know what he means like they don't work like seatbelts that don't work style wise or just like the, like because you can't like cars don't put seatbelts in a car unless they work right they're not just going to put a device in there that just doesn't work for its purpose lemon seatbelt i need to see this and he says or they'll wear a purse that doesn't work or quite frankly some women's bodies just actually don't work for it and so I don't, I didn't see the video, but I can only imagine that the woman interviewing him was uh, taken aback at saying that some women's bodies don't work for it. And so basically what he's saying is if you're a, a fatty fat fat, then your thighs are going to rub together and you're going to fucking, that's, that's the reality of the world. And so then this whole uproar of like trying to keep women uh, thin and everything. So but look, it, this company has a history, it says one of these articles I was looking at, it's not up on my screen has a history of kind of uh, being anti-fat regarding uh, their marketing strategy. Yeah, and it's so, kind of like Abercrombie. That was a, that yeah. was a, Abercrombie had a, uh, yeah, the, the CEO made some comments or something a number of years ago about yeah. that. Yeah, my wife, uh, Allie was just talking about that earlier, that uh, when she was in high school, she's, she's uh, like 5'10", so she's pretty tall, and they didn't have sizes in Abercrombie above us. Like they they capped their size so that basically like fat girls couldn't get Abercrombie. And she was uh, thin and tall, and she wore the biggest size they had. And yeah. And uh, so it seems like companies like well, it's obvious companies like this are trying to prevent fat people, you know, overweight people from wearing their shit. Do you think that's? Uh, do you think that's? Do you think uh, from a business perspective, do you think that's good? And then from like a societal perspective, do you think that's good? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm not asking. Just, I'm not asking the uh, the computer. Oh, you're asking me if I think the that their stance on that is right. I I don't care. I mean, <laughs> I I think it's it's stupid to make statements like that just from a business perspective. Oh well, uh, yeah, we don't want uh, fat people to, to buy our clothes. You know, there's going to be a controversy if you tweet something, say something, if you smoke crack on camera. All right. Do you get what I'm? Implying? Yeah, yeah. He's he's basically okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Toronto mayor with the yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm tracking that. He also gave all of his all employees right. a five thousand dollar raise. I don't know what that came from, but let's move on. 
Good on him. But anyway, yeah, I, I mean, don't say shit like that. You know what I mean? Just it's it's, it's okay. Really not even simple. not even looking at them like talking about it. What about just yeah. like, what about a company just not providing not not ever mentioning it publicly, but not providing sizes that are beyond a certain size to to only have uh to, like average to average or lower than average body types wearing their clothing. Like what about that? Like. Because if you're trying to sell clothing and you want it to be like the premium clothing, you only want attractive people wearing it, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Buy other clothes. I don't know. I I don't, I don't really get into the whole clothing debate. Well, neither Chris do told, I. I met my Chris wife. Chris told me. It. Yeah. I met my know. wife wearing flannel in a bar in Texas. So, uh, like, I don't wear stylish clothes either. But just yeah. saying, from a business perspective, do you want only fucking attractive people wearing your shit, or or what? If you're if you're like a, a seedy businessman who is trying, to, he's building his empire and he's just trying to make money. Like, isn't that what you do? I I guess I don't I don't know. I'm not a seedy businessman at the top of a tower, you know, looking down on the city, going. <laughs> well, you know what that's I mean? what they're I'm doing. But the the, the problem with this is that the whole body image thing, and this is something that yeah. from the beginning of the website, there's something that bothered me before I even started the website. Just the mentality that women need to be thin or skinny in order to be sexy or attractive is fucking bullshit. But the, the pro yeah. part of the problem is stuff like this, like companies yeah. that are like, you, you're going to look good in this type of clothing or like you only see attractive people wearing this to clothing. So it's going to be desirable from anybody's standpoint. So, so just don't support that company. You know what I mean? Boom. Just yeah. Just exactly. don't buy their shit. So there's a lot, like most people are saying that about Lululemon or whatever. And they're basically like, oh, well, fuck you. But they're also, they have to understand that everything else that they are participating in does the same fucking thing. Yeah. If you if you are uh, someone who watches Entertainment Tonight, you're doing the same fucking thing because they only are putting attractive people on there. If you're yeah. against this thing for Lulu Melon, then you have to be against it in other parts in society. So that, it's, it's just, it's a load of bullshit that... And it's unfortunate that young minds, whether female or male, because males do this too, but young minds think that they have to look a certain way because of what they see all the time. Yeah. And uh, you could even say, I don't know, like the chive might be doing it. Like you've heard the stuff about the gap, right? The thigh gap thing in the news? Yeah, yeah. Young girls are anorexic because they think they need to be thin to have what is known as the gap. And it's always funny to see like the middle-aged... The middle-aged people talking about it. Yeah. They're like, I, I don't know what this gap is. Yeah, like the weird old like middle-aged guy that uh, when he goes home, he uh, drinks scotch and cries himself to sleep or something. <laughs> and he's trying to understand what the gap is. Like, it's it's a generational conflict. Just go to Urban Dictionary. That's what I do for everything. Yeah. So, it's just, the gap is part of it. Like, first off, you don't even need to be thin to have the gap. But that's like yeah. the mentality. It's just... I don't even know what the like. How is the gap sexy anyway? A little space between a woman's thighs—that's sexy. Like who? who I, uh, I don't know, man. That's people are fucking weird, man. And and so there's guys out there that are making this worse because they're like, oh, this thing, the gap, which I don't understand. Like Justin here, let's let's make it. Would you ever hang out with anyone that cared about anything like that? No, but the point you is, is that you probably wouldn't like them. The point, exactly. Oh, obviously, yeah. The point is, is that. That is that. This is what we're up against, Mike. There you go. Okay. That we're drawing right. a line in the sand, and we yeah. have to. What What can we do about it in order to fucking stop bullshit like this? Uh, what can we do? We kill them all. I I, I don't think that's legal. Uh, 
No, what we have to do is... I mean, that's Brent's solution. I think all we can do is put out uh, positive societal images uh, with the methods that we have. So I guess like in my in our case, in my case, we can we can always put that positive body image out on, on something like 70s Big. Uh, you can just teach people uh, like what is healthy and then you just try and replicate that with people throughout life, you know, like trying to help people uh, be healthy and, and exercise and like train and squat and stuff and teach them that being a skinny little useless wench is not as effective as being like a strong, like beautiful woman or man or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah, we, uh, I guess it's just redefining the whole what you think is healthy thing, you know what I mean? Because people think that, uh, you know, people that run marathons once a month, I mean, I mean, obviously, most people don't run them that often, but, uh, man, they're so healthy, they run a marathon every month, you know yeah, what I mean? they're bashed into fitness, so when I wrote that marathon post, if you want to see a bunch of people get really pissed at me, look up marathon <laughs> on 70s Big, and yeah. uh, read the comments after reading, it's an excellent post, I think it's one of the best things I've ever written, and people were mod, man, they yeah. were, their goss was off, definitely, so, that, that basically, uh, this is a war, Mike. This is a we're, we. Dr there's a line drawn in the sand, and we are gonna try and push that line forward and and try and teach people what is healthy. And it's gonna it's it's gonna be difficult because there's the hipsters out there, the fucking celebrities, the liberal agenda, all of these things. All these things are fucking our opponents, and they are the enemy. And this this is a war, and it's gonna we need we need case officers like Brent Kim on the trail. We need all well, these. We need everyone to be working in full force to put to put to destroy the enemy. Uh, okay. So speaking of work, do you want to get into this first question? <laughs> from Tommy. No, man. This is book. Yeah, let's do it. Let's. Okay. So this is the war on. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, he says, "What is your stance on peanut butter and butter sandwiches?" That is right. Peanut butter on one slice of bread, and then thick cuts of real butter spread on the other slice. It's delicious, one of my favorite meals. All right, Justin, do you want to talk about this before I rant? Um, well, I think it's kind of weird. And I, by the way, Kerrygold butter, that grass-fed butter from fucking uh -huh. uh, Ireland, that uh -huh. stuff's really it's good. good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, but I, I don't eat uh, bread anymore because I'm all paleo, or, or or at least more like it. And so I don't eat I don't eat bread. But when I was in high school, and uh, I thought that peanut butter had a lot of protein in it. And I didn't have meat to eat a lot of the time. I ate like two peanut butter sandwiches a day. And my only requirement is to have peanut butter on both sides of the bread. Because when you only put it on one side of the bread, that's like, that's, uh, I don't know, it's like a poon sandwich or something. A poon butter sandwich. It's like not enough. And yet, like the ratio is, is off. So at least this guy's putting butter on both sides of bread. I don't, I don't care for real butter. I don't think that's entirely necessary. What do you like? What's your problem with it? Because you seem real mod about this. <laughs> I, I was real mod. No, my my only problem with it is that I I think peanut butter, jelly, honey, and uh, bananas. That really that that makes it uh, that makes a quality. Sandwich. Yeah, bananas are. I did that too. Those, that's solid. Or uh, and, and then I like it on. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know why, but when I do strongman competitions, I eat a lot of a. Uh, I, I eat a lot of these sandwiches throughout the day. I, I normally don't eat a ton of bread, but I seem to like uh, just because it's it's easy. I make uh, peanut butter, banana, honey, and jelly sandwiches on Ezekiel cinnamon raisin Ezekiel bread, and that keeps me uh, pretty content throughout keeps the you day. Spry. Um, do you uh, did you ever have the marshmallow fluff? 
with God, dude, marshmallow fluff is amazing. Speaking of which, uh, Chris and I had a Rendy cream pie, or an oatmeal cream pie, if you will. Okay, I just don't know what that means. (laughs) Well, AC asked, he goes, what is that? Uh, When I posted a picture of it on the Instagram. And I said, it's a Rendy cream pie. You know, he really what, enjoyed it. You know what the thing, the most appetizing uh, oatmeal cream pie ever, as far as what it looked like, was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids when they're fucking climbing in it and they eat it like they just eat the cream with their hands. Oh, and man. It. And Full I went to, I went to Disney that. World when I was like five and they had like a mock-up one of those and I just wish that you could actually like eat it. That it was real? Yeah. Yeah, that... uh. That oatmeal cream pie that Chris and I had, I think it was at Stackhouse in Dallas. It was it was amazing. Uh, Chris, yeah, Chris is. Hold like, on, wait. Is, do you remember that time? Much. Do you remember that time we ate at uh, the Ribeyes place? Where's that? Is that uh, where? It's it's near uh, like Decatur or something like that. It's, Sweetie pies. Yeah, and then uh, ever since then I've called it Pussy Pies Ribeyes, and <laughs> it gets real mod about that. But do you remember the pecan pie they had there? Dude, every time I go there, I get the pecan and pie. And that the fucking the cream on top of that is like cream they make. They churn it and everything. They make real it's, fucking cream. It's nonsense how good that pecan pie is. It's, yeah. it's it's delicious. And the first time I saw it was when Chris and I had to make weight the next day. <laughs> yeah. And I and ate it, uh, it was terrible. I think Chris and I both ate like twelve ounce ribeyes with nothing else. Yeah. And then and some like a water. Salad. You just had, it was terrible. You just had like a salad. Yeah, and then Chris came in really underweight, <laughs> and I was I was like one pound underweight. Chris is like I'm seven pounds underweight. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pussy Pie Ribeyes is a great place. Moving on. Uh, Briskin asks, and by the way, Briskin, thanks for uh, hanging out when I was in uh, Monterey. By the way, Briskin, thanks for asking a question and not giving us just a statement. Talk more about Milanichev. He's incredible. <laughs> well, uh, so I posted the. The video yesterday of him doing what six seventy two in a it, he listed a it as a sling was he in a t-shirt? in a slingshot it's oh, okay. it, I guess it's a it's a bench daddy I'm not sure if it's uh, much stronger than a the slingshot it doesn't appear to be but the the bench has always been Milanichev's weakest lift okay I mean I say weakest but you know he benches more than just about anyone but that's always kind of held him back in the uh, what like the Super Cup of Titans. Which is the sweetest name for a powerlifting meet ever. Yeah. I mean, where what are you competing in? Super Cup of Titans. You know, that's all, just awesome. And, you know, he won it a bunch of times, but his Your foster parents are dead. Yeah, but it's a sweet... Hey, Janelle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he did that 672, and then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he squatted 925 for a triple, which is in, with wraps, which is just Fuck. absurd. But, yeah, he... Uh, and then I was telling Justin that I think... Milanichev locked it out, but he got uh, two red lights to one. Like four years ago, he pulled 925. 925. I was say, I didn't know what you said there the first time, but 925. And I think that's the. He- I don't know if it's the heaviest sumo attempt ever made, but it it's got to be very close because there's only been a couple of sumo pulls over 900. But anyway, yeah, Milanichev is amazing. He competes uh, very shortly, I think, in the GPC Worlds. And uh, yeah, I'm assuming he's gonna win. Uh, yeah, that's probably pretty there, good. There you uh, go, Briskin. Uh, the next question is from Alex B. Alex says, I'm almost done with Abercrombie's books, and I don't know what to do. Should I kill myself? Please don't do that. <laughs> Seriously, I would like some more suggestions because they were excellent. Don't say a song of Ice and Fire or Lord of the Rings. Also, I'm a Heinlein fan, so I'm not opposed to space drama suggestions. Uh, 
real quick, let's say hopefully he's read a song of ice and fire, uh, but maybe he stopped after the third book, which is perfectly acceptable. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious what's going to happen in season four. Are you Justin? I mean, how, to be honest, I haven't yeah. even watched. Uh, I, I'm, the last episode I saw was in the middle of season two, so I still need to watch uh, the Game of I Thrones just... show. But um, I don't know what they're going to do because fucking. Mike and I talk about this all the time, so it's almost like a jaded topic, and we're just upset because George Martin is a fucking. I'm not going to say he's an asshole, but he, he definitely needs to. I, look at things objectively and, and just accept the fact that he's going to die in the next 18 months and he needs to get this series done or we're all going to go insane. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even refute that. <laughs> yeah. He's, I, I don't know, man. I just, he's not that old, man, and he looks like yeah. he's super... Fu- he looks like he's got one foot in the grave, man. <laughs> His he, beard he, is, like, withering away. He it, reminds me of Johnny Depp in The Secret Window. That's what he reminds me of. He reminds uh, me of Benjamin... Button in the. Anyway, let's move on. So, who the hell wrote? Who wrote Starship Troopers? Robert Heinlein did. You okay, so that, that that's what I thought. You fucking oh whatever. That's what I thought. So I, I don't know. I I haven't read a lot of uh, uh space. All right. Well, first off, uh, Alex is talking about Joe Abercrombie. He's almost done with them. Uh, the good news is that Abercrombie has a new book coming out. Uh, I, it's probably coming out next year. Uh, yeah, it's, obviously it's coming out next year. It's called Half a King. I don't know anything about it. I just saw that he posted on Twitter a while back. So Sweet. Uh, Joe Abercrombie, one of my favorite authors. We talked about him, I think, two episodes ago. Um, fantastic series, First Law Trilogy, and then he has three books out after that. Um, I like him a lot. Um, he says, don't say A Song of Ice and Fire. That's the Game of Thrones. And then he says, don't say Lord of the Rings, which I would assume that he's read Lord of the Rings to say that. I'm reading Lord of the Rings for the fourth time. I haven't read it in a... A good five, six, or seven years or so. I don't know. Five years? Five years. Five. Um, I, I, just a fantastic series, Lord of the Rings. I, I love that trilogy. Um, but since he's a Highland fan, I would assume he's read uh, Starship Troopers. I think that's... If I was going to make... I was going to add like two books that were required reading for young minds, you know, like high school uh, curriculum, it would be Starship Troopers and it would be uh, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Uh and it kind of irritates me that people fucking will say that Highland is all fascist and Starship Troopers and stuff. That's not what he was going after at all. But that is a huge digression, which I'm not going to fucking get into right now. But uh, I would recommend those two books if he hasn't read them. Uh, there are some <coughs> Highland books that I, I haven't liked. I didn't really like Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, it just it, it was rubbing me the wrong way, and I think I actually stopped reading it. And I've only stopped reading like under five books in my life. I don't know. Um, Glory Road is just a nice little rolling fantasy tale by Heinlein, but I don't know what he's expecting. I'm not a huge, uh, I'm not huge into fantasy. Like if you go on Reddit and go to the subreddit uh, Fantasy, it's about fantasy books, and they yeah. talk about shit all the time on there. I do know that I don't, tip, I don't, I seem to not like Brandon Sanderson, and it's not that because he's Mormon, but I think that has an effect on his storytelling. He kind of misses that grittiness. But oh, one book that you might like, Mike, is a. Uh, mm. Uh, holy shit. There's an analyme on the cover. Um, I'll think of it as, as we're talking, but I'll come back to that. Um, but I, Jim Butcher is a guy who's fucking weird as shit looking. If you Google Jim Butcher and look at his picture, look, do it right now. He is Jim Butcher. Yeah. The dude's fucking, uh, he's weird as shit looking, man. Um, 
Uh, it's not Neil Stevenson that I was trying to think of earlier. It's really bothering me that I can't remember this book. Oh, dude, why did I not think of that? Why did I not think of Neil Stevenson? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, it is Neil Stevenson. Anathem. Anathem is a book that I was... It took it took a little bit to get into, but like the first th- third of the book is very different from the, the last third. Com- almost like different books, but he sets up a really uh, dense world where it's like... Uh, just fucking go read the description. We're gonna make this podcast way too long if I get into it. But Did I like hey, I liked NFM a lot. But at first I didn't like it. It was kind of dense. What are you gonna say? Uh, has he read Snow Crash? Have you read Snow Crash? I haven't. That's by Dude. Neil Snow Stevenson, Crash right? is, is insanely good. Snow Crash is like top five for me All ever. Right. I've I, heard, I love Snow Crash. I've heard good things about I, that. I couldn't get into it. Uh, I tried to read Cryptonomicon, and I, I really couldn't get into it. Well, that. yeah, the name of it just sounds complicated. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty intense. The, I mean, and the thing about is is Snow Crash pretty cerebral because because Neil Stevenson is he's pretty he's a pretty dense fucking guy. Yeah, like, it's, Snow Crash is is kind of tough, but it, it's really it's really good. It, it's worth it. It's and, not. I, I don't know. Cryptonomicon blew blew my mind. I, I was good. Yeah, well, <laughs> I read it for a few hours and I was like, "Nah, this is done. We're done." Um, but you might like Anathem then if you like Snow Crash. That's another Stevenson. So go on All the right. fantasy thing on on that Reddit and you'll get some suggestions. I do. Uh, I like Jim Butcher. Uh, he writes uh, the Dresden Files, which is basically uh, this guy, this wizard named Harry Dresden, who works in Chicago, and he uh, fucking he's just. He takes paranormal cases, and I was kind of skeptical because it's like New York Times bestseller, and I typically don't read those anymore because that's like high school style. But um, when I read the first book, I actually liked it. It was pretty entertaining. It'll be a quick, entertaining read, not something that's super dense, but it, it'll keep the pages turning. Uh, but as okay, far as like right. gritty's fantasy, I don't know right now because I'm I'm looking for something that's like Joe Abercrombie too. But uh, we're I'm, gonna talk about books for like ten hours. Okay, so. last thing is that I, I heard <laughs> I have a Brent Weeks book. Um, he has uh, two different trilogies out, and uh, he's supposed to be good. He's he's a younger guy, and he has a beard, so must be, <coughs> he must be onto something. All right, for the first, well, hold on. Let's, Let's go to uh, go to Jeremy's go to Jeremy's no, question because I want to ask Seth Seth's question. Real we will. Quick. We'll come back to it. Let's get like an actual training question. <laughs> All right, Jeremy asks, "I have an athlete who rounds his upper back when squatting." He squats low bar, max about 400. What are some things I can have him do to fix this? Jeremy's uh, one of my good friends. He owns uh, CrossFit Annandale in uh, near D.C., Washington, D.C., and he's an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, the coolest dog ever. Yeah, his dog's massive. His, he, his dog is bigger than some guys that were reading this website. His dog's like 170 pounds. And his dog crushes. And his name's Kane. It's awesome. Yeah, and then uh, Maggie's his other is like a small little pit bull, and uh, he gives him raw chicken, and he's like, "You want to see him crush?" And like <laughs> when Chris was there, and Chris was like, "What?" He's like, "You want to see him crush? He's gonna eat some chicken. He's just giving raw chicken." And then Chris is like, "Yeah, I want to see him." He goes down there, he fucking just eats like these chicken thighs and just crushes them in his mouth and swallows them. <laughs> he eats, dude. He eats like two or three chicken thighs in like in like maybe fifteen seconds. It's probably like closer to eight. He destroys oh, it. It's outstanding. Uh, athlete rounding his upper back when squatting. Uh, what's the first thing that comes in your mind when you when there's upper back rounding and squatting? Uh, poor thoracic extension? I don't know. Well, sure, but I thought you were going to say, oh, good, upper back. Oh, no, okay, got um, Okay. Oh, you so, were actually – I didn't know if you were trolling. Oh, 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 upper back. That's where he failed, upper back. <laughs> uh, round back good mornings on the, on the bench, right? No, a seated safety spot bar good morning. I took a sip of water. I almost spewed it all over my computer. All right. Uh, 
<laughs> the first thing that I would say is that um, there's 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 probably two things going on: a strength issue of being able to extend the thoracic spine, and then a uh, mobility-related issue um, that is kind of like a comprehensive thing from the base of the skull down to basically <coughs> the knees, pretty much. So like any, there's like yeah. a fascial sheath that covers that area. And so I would assume this person is super tight, like probably tight hamstrings. Typically when you have like tight hips and hamstrings, it's gonna inhibit like the lumbar and then thus the thoracic. And sometimes people can kind of lock their lumbar in the thoracic round. So I'm definitely assuming some sort of mechanical thing. Uh, as a side note, if you go to the bottom and the bar moves forward a little bit, then you're creating a lever arm that the body's gonna have to act against. So one of the things that can uh, succumb to the uh, to the to that change in force that lever arm is going to be like the back rounding to make up for the bar moving forward so maybe look to see if if he's not staying directly over the middle of his foot because uh in this uh the, the lifter <laughs> <laughs> the lifter is a low barring so if it's going in front of the middle of his foot then uh then make sure that that he is going straight up and down plumb over that balance point that that point at which uh the center of mass is over the middle of the foot. So um, as far as strength goes, like when I mean, you can cue that stuff, but you have to be careful about cueing chest up in people because sometimes they interpret chest up as just like overextending their spine. And so you wanna make sure they have some light tension in their lower abs. That's kind of like a newer cue I've been using like the last year, maybe 18 months or so. Uh, but keep it, the getting the chest up and locking in place with lower weights might be necessary for this guy. But it's kind of hard when I don't see him, so I'm kind of just jumping around. Uh, so I would kind of mob the entire uh, like soft tissue work on the thoracic spine and then soft tissue work on his hamstrings like open those up if necessary you can get a uh, joint distraction so posterior band distraction on the thigh while you're getting hamstring stretch so posterior is going back you got like a bander on the thigh it's attached to like the guy standing up is attached to the cage behind him and he uh, is like bending over at the hip there like kind of doing like an RDL or good morning with his good trunk position with that posterior distraction can kind of like open up and floss that thigh or just like getting soft tissue work on on the hamstring like sitting on a box lacrosse ball under it uh, and then extending and flexing the knee to kind of like shorten and lengthen the fibers on top of a lacrosse ball. I'd assume there's some mobility issues, so it's kind of like hit the area up, see where he's tight, soft tissue it, and then maybe some positional stretching prior to squatting. It's probably going to be some external rotation stuff in the hips too, so working on lateral hips. So overall, it's like make sure mechanics are solid, cue the actual chest up, and if he can do it with lighter weights, that means that means he just can't, he's not strong enough to do it with the heavier weights. So maybe back him off for his like three by fives or whatever the fuck he's doing. So when he's, so he can get correct reps with lighter weights and then build up only when he can do it correctly. Because he, two things can happen. If he continues lifting like this, then he's gonna be blunted from what his absolute strength can achieve. So if his max is 400 right now and he keeps rounding his, his upper back, then he's not going to achieve a, the best max he can later. And he's probably putting himself in his shoulders in bad positions for creating problems. So that, that leads to the second thing is some sort of injury. So he could tweak muscles in his back, hurt his T-spine, uh, just ha help his shoulder immobility. So if you don't address it right now, then it's either gonna limit his strength in the long run or it's going to fucking uh, result in some sort of tweak or injury. So address mechanics, address mobility, back them off, see what happens. <coughs> All right. Next question is from Dimitri. Justin. Did you want to go I, back and do the Seth question? Yeah, we'll go back in a minute. 
Justin, I hear you're a nihilist. That must be exhausting. Um, Mike and I, we got into a discussion about nihilism. We our show prep is terrible. We just get oh. off of tangents and don't talk about anything relevant <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, that's our that's our lives, though. Uh, yeah, it's like sitting it's like sitting in a room with you and Chris with the fu- with all of us. Yeah. It's terrible. Nothing is accomplished. Um, and, and we're gonna get into this with the zombie question again. But anyway. Um, he's ref- like this is a reference to the Big Lebowski. If anybody hasn't seen this movie, then they need it's to. A big hashtag big mistake. <laughs> uh, so the dude is looking at a what the hell's her name? Bunny. What the, what does he call the white? What's the Miss Lebowski's name? Hold on, IMDb. All I know, she is in a porn called Log Jamming at some point <laughs> during the movie, <laughs> which is. Oh, the t- the key that the German guy comes in and he has to fix the TV. He's like, oh, the TV. <laughs> but uh, he's the the German guy's passed out in the pool and uh, she's she's like, I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. And he's like, well, won't he mind? And he points to the guy in the pool and she goes, he's a nihilist. He doesn't care about anything. And he goes, oh, that must be exhausting. It's it's Maud. Her name's Maud. It's Julianne Moore. No, Maud is uh, Maud is uh. Oh, you were, I thought you said Mrs. Lebowski. Yeah, that's Maud Lebowski. I mean, Bun- it's Bunny. Isn't Bunny the uh, with Tara Reid? Tara Reid? Yeah. Tara Reid, yeah, yeah. It's way too much time on this question. Tara Reid. Anyway, uh, yeah, watch The Big Lebowski if you haven't seen it. Next question. Uh, Seth asks, is it possible for your shorts to show off too much quad? I would say no. Uh, when you When you get arrested for indecent exposure... Uh, then it's probably too much. But up until that point, I'd say, you know, try to get a, try to. I mean, look at Brent. Brent is probably the best example because uh, Brent's legs are real jocked when he, uh, when he gets, when he's doing a lot of high bar squatting. And uh, yeah, Brent shows off a lot of quad. Well, but, I mean, what the fuck is the point of short shorts if you're not showing quad? You know, that's the whole what? point. That's what you have to do in order to change the body image, Seth. You have to fucking show off some quad, and then you get people looking at it and be like, "Damn, look at those boulders! Holy shit!" And then they're like, "So if it's some kid, some kid walking by, and he looks at it, and he's like, he in his mind, he's like, whoa, that is that is what a man is.' And then you basically ruin his relationship with his father because his father is probably wearing khaki slacks and works on a computer all day. So now you've just disrupted this guy's family life. This kid, he he's you destroyed his psyche." But then it is built back up because he's like, that is what a man is. And then he's like, I will be better than what my father is because I will be a man when I grow up. And so he, he trains and he wants to be big and strong and, and hairy. And he becomes a man when he's older. And that's one more person in the fight against the, the enemy, the, the pussification of Western society. <clears throat> All right. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck you, Mike. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Reese's question. He said, in a zombie apocalypse, who would survive out of the 70s big crew, and what special skills would they bring to the table? All right, I'm going to talk about the special skills. You talk about the survival expectations, all right? I'd say Chris would be the driver, right, because Chris is a really aggressive driver. (laughs) Uh, I would be probably the... Would Chris be driving that old car, like the car that he has? No, I think he'd be driving. He'd be back to driving the Chevy. Okay. If we get the Chevy back. Uh... I would be the uh, the one try- attempting to help with the plans, and then I would get, be getting trolled so much that I would just get real pissed off. Uh, 
Would you be right. going? Would you be getting really, really mod because you, uh, you haven't had any food recently? Oh, uh, that that'd probably be part of it. <laughs> I'd probably just become a zombie just so I could eat. Uh, and then Chris Sean... calls Chris calls Mike a diabetic because he gets all pissed when he doesn't eat recently. <laughs> uh, Sean would have something to do with rules of engagement, uh, in terms of you know, like uh, can we steal from other groups, something like that. That sounds more like Brent's ba- bailiwick. No, no, no. Brent would have to do. Brent would be all weaponry. Brent would know exactly what we needed to do. Brent would, Brent would do everything necessary to acquire uh, as much weaponry the, as possible. Uh, the thing about Brent is that he might have the most experience because he apparently has reoccurring dreams about some sort of post-apocalyptic scenario or apocalyptic <laughs> scenario in which mostly it's zombies attacking him. So he fucking has dreams about this on the regular. So he's probably he's probably had to think about this a lot so that he can when he goes into dream world he can actually deal with it. But dude, I've had zombie dreams too, man. Uh, in one of them, I had a claw hammer and I whacked, I like sideways chopped it into the back of the head of a zombie and then you know how like you get stuck and then you try and pull it out like if you're in a piece of wood when you when you put the claw in. I just ripped the back of the zombie's head out. You you have no response to that? That was a dream I had. Maybe you should consider seeking help. That was one of them, and then uh, I had a, a zombie dog in one of them. But I, I never get scared. I always wake up. And it, go, was, it wasn't Lita, Lita, Lita. <laughs> no, it wasn't Lita. It was a it was a zombie dog. Um. All right. So what what would uh, what would I do? What would you do, man? Uh, what special skills? I think would you I have? you would. Uh, what special skill? I I think you'd be definitely the uh, the shooter. I think you'd be the shooter. Okay. I think you'd be in the back of the truck or on the top of the truck with the uh, with the sniper rifle. Uh, I don't know, then, man. Sniper uh, rifle is kind of uh, that's kind of far. It's, that's like a long, a long. Well, gun let's is... say you'd have a a boomstick too. You'd have a boomstick as well. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then I think that AC would be kind of like the uh, AC would be the guy that goes up to another group and you know because AC. Uh, AC's real suave, and he would walk up and be like, "Guys, I lost my group. I, I don't know where to go." And then he'd pull out a knife and be like, "Give me all your food." You know what I mean? And then he would he would uh, I imagine he would he would start saying Callahan. Quotes. Are like, you saying so? Wait, huh? you're saying that AC's specialty would be an espionage against other living humans? Yes. Okay. Don't you see it? So Brent is like the weapon. Brent is like the R and D guy. Yep. Okay. Uh, Sean uh, is determining, you know, what's acceptable. He's like, hey, guys, I don't think we should kill this group and take everything. And AC's like, nah, nah, man, let's do it. We need to eat. And then Chris is like, why are you so mad? Is your gas off? I, I don't think Chris would change at all in the zombie apocalypse. I, I think point that out. I think that if somebody didn't survive out of this group, it's because we'd kill each other. As oh, yeah, to zombies definitely. It. And definitely. Uh, if it like... If, if it's a snow situation, then you and Chris are definitely going to die. Because when we went hiking last year in the mountains <laughs> in Utah... You oh, guys... let's, talk about, let's talk about the leader of the group. Go ahead, tell your side of the story. <laughs> well, I had snowshoes on. I was the... I was... I planned for this event. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, you guys were sinking into the snow. So if there's a lot of snow, you guys are definitely going to die. Because you, you fall into the snow like uh, the Titanic... I just like to also point out that Justin said, "Hey guys, we're we're gonna go up to the right here, and then you and Chris should go up to the left." He thought it was a better idea for Chris and I to climb. Uh, I don't know. It was probably it, it was a, in 
uh, a steep incline. You guys should go that way. It'll be easier. I don't know why you thought that. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, and then uh, you left us, and then you're like, hey, guys, I'm up at the top of the mountain. See ya. We're going to film a video without you. Wait. <laughs> I don't remember why you – I told. I guess I told you that. I don't remember. You would remember that part. I don't know why we did that, but it was – I still had to pave the way. So everybody else was behind me, and I just basically had to do the Boromir in which you just – Boromir and, <clears throat> and, and Strider in the Fellowship of the Ring when they have to fucking just – burrow through all the shit, the snow on Karadhas, you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? When they're at the mm -hmm. base of Karadhas, when they're trying to do the mountain pass, and then instead they have to go through Moria. So Brent's more like Legolas, though, because he can, like, almost walk on top of the snow, like, with fleet feet. Anyway. Will you go through the mines? <laughs> with razor sharp rocks! <laughs> and all it right, gets next, even better! Let's, let's talk about a lifting question. Brando, that's a sweet name. Brando. Brando asks, I've got a le legit question for you. Thank you. He injured <laughs> his pec on bench. On the way down, he felt a pop in the outer part of his left pec, and he has lots of pain. Two days later, no bruising, super sore. What's the best thing to do to rehab this thing and prevent it from happening again? All right, Justin? Oh, man. It's, it's so hard to answer these questions, yeah. so let's just talk about zombies instead. No, it's, it's difficult to answer this type of question because I can't examine him. I can't, like, get my hands on him and, and, and strangle, where, and strangle where, him yeah. to death. No, I can't, like, I can't see, yeah, I can't palpate the actual muscle. I can't, I, I don't have him here to ask, a, like, the million questions that I would ask to, to try and yeah. find out more about this. Like, what movements does it hurt? Like, it was apparently an acute thing and he felt a pop. So, like, trying to determine, like, did he uh, just injure a tendon? Did he, like, tear something? Did he just, like, irritate uh, some sort of fascia in there? I don't know. So these are, it's difficult to answer this. So two days later, he said there's no bruising, which means there is no uh, blood accumulation down there. There's no hematoma under there. So that's, that's good because yeah. he didn't rupture any blood vessels and there's not any kind of, in, like, severe inflammatory response. But he said it's really sore. So I'd have to assume that he irritated the tendon because, uh, Muscles are pliable and tendons aren't so much. So, like, typically when people injure stuff in an acute instance, they injure, they either tweak a muscle, and then if it's towards the edge, then it's definitely a tendon issue. Um, I'm going to kind of go on the assumption it's not a ligament. Uh, it would have to, I don't I can't imagine there being any ligaments right there. Any, eh, nah, there's not any ligaments right there because it's not like the AC joint. It's, like, inferior to that. So, um, I guess... The first thing that I would assume is that there's something going on mechanically to have caused that. Uh, so I would assume that there's some deficiency in mechanics, like he's internally rotating too much, meaning he's having flared elbows, or maybe he doesn't have his uh, his chest. I'm sorry, his uh, his thoracic spine extended enough and getting into a good uh, a good solid position for his bench uh, to help his shoulder out and to not put it in a compromised position. So I'd kind of assume some of that, but also like if someone has tight internal rotators, like subscapularis is tight on, that's on the front of the scapula, um, which is sitting on like the back of the rib, or if someone is, uh, tight in their, uh, their pec major, pec minor, cause they're, if they have like poor posture where their shoulders roll forward, or if they're, you know, they're in bad positioning when they're at their computer or they're writing at a desk or they're driving, all those positions tend to have like internal shoulder rotation. So it shortens the pec muscles. And so then if someone does set up in a good bench position with their, with their upper back extended, then they're, then, and then they, even if they're doing everything right by going into external rotation, meaning the elbows are kind of like at a 45 degree angle, then what they're doing is stretching out a muscle that is chronically tight from poor positioning all day. So that becomes like a mobility issue. So to prevent it from happening, you can actually soft tissue work on the actual pecs. 
you can work on like the medial portion of your pec down kind of closer to the sternal uh, along the sternal border like the sternum goes all the way down your chest starts like the the manubrium at the top which is that kind of that that uh, that kind of half circle that that is uh, pointed down towards your sternum and then it goes down to the xiphoid which is that the ending of like people are like oh my sternum they kind of like palpate that end of their chest bone so like the pecs attach all along that area so you can basically use a lacrosse ball and mike if you haven't done this then try it because like you'd be surprised at how fucking bad it hurts to just yeah. work on your your medial pecs just like it's weird you got to get in like a corner of a wall i guess but you put a lacrosse ball and just focus on points like in the middle and the upper third and the lower third and it's surprising how much it, it is painful right there and then of course you can palpate deep into like pec minor which is like lateral and kind of like the upper lateral portion of the pec so to prevent this from happening in the future, kind of keep those, those tissues pliable so that when you do get into good bench position, then you don't fuck it up. And then if you're in poor bench position where you're flaring your elbows or not getting into good like thoracic extension and not being stable on the ground, then that could be problematic. And then if you have just too much volume and you're not like doing other things like pressing overhead or having any kind of uh, pulling movements, whether it's rows or chin-ups or pull-ups to help keep your shoulder healthy, or even or even uh, band pulls, uh, just pulling a band apart, whether you're overhand or underhand, which is pronation and supination. Supination, bowl of soup, like your hands are holding a bowl of soup, pronation, prone to drop it. So if you're fucking uh, doing that, if you're not uh, approaching anything from the posterior side of your shoulders, then that can also help make you tight in the front. So that, that's, without being able to ask Brando any more questions, that's kind of how I'd approach it. And then as far as uh, how to rehab it, uh, massage it, um, take it through a full range of motion. After you massage it, take you know do some pressing motions and then do some light benching and just progress over time. Okay. Uh, Tim asks, uh, five, guys, five guys are in and out. Tim's read the site for, I think, since like it started. Uh, really? Tim is a regular contributor to 70s Big, so hello, Tim. Um, do you want to start on this one? Uh, I'll just keep it simple. Like I, I had, uh, I had in and out for the first time. I think in two thousand eight. Uh, you know, I came back from overseas and we went to Vegas, and I was like, oh, I mean, you guys need to try in and out. So I had in and out, and I was obsessed with it. You know, the whole time I was in Vegas because we spent thirty freaking days in Vegas working. But uh, so I had in and out a lot. Uh, and, you know, I loved it. And then I went back home to Connecticut, and they had opened up a Five Guys, and I didn't know much about it, and I really liked that. And now that I'm in Texas, they've started opening more Five Guys and in and out And I know this is going to bother a lot of people, especially people that don't have them a lot, but I like Five Guys better. Justin? I like It's the bacon. Absolutely. And I hate to be the uh, bacon, you know. I've always loved bacon. Bacon isn't just recently, didn't just recently become good. Bacon has always been great. And uh, I've always loved bacon, and yeah, the fact that Five Guys has, burger, has bacon, in and out doesn't, that's, that's it. They're both amazing, though. I think awesome. I think that uh, as far as which tastes better, it's actually Five Guys. Five Guys. But the problem is that um, Five Guys can get expensive if you're going to get a decent burger. Oh, whoa, whoa. Well, actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it can get like up to like twelve or fifteen dollars because I've gotten I've gotten five patties multiple times. Yeah. Like when I would get done skiing or hiking or something, and yeah. I'd be completely famished. I I wanted a wanted a giant fucking calorie bomb and uh so i'd get like five patties i actually got five patties after i went to vegas uh last new year's when i was hanging out with some australian 
folk, lovely people. And uh, I got a five patty, and everybody in this in that particular five guys was like, "Whoa, he's getting five patties!" Like I had construction workers, like really dirty man, like construction workers, like, "Cool, man." <laughs> they thought it was fucking a. And then, uh, but the problem with In and Out that I found, because uh, I would get In and Out a lot, and I would end up getting eight patties at In and Out, and it's not a bad price. And then I was, yeah. I would also get a. Get it protein style, which is just wrapped in lettuce, which I know is fucking sounds kind of it's, makes me. It, they like, can screw. They can screw it up at some in and outs. Some places don't do it right. Well, I'm just saying, like someone listening might be like, this fucking guy gets lettuce around his burgers, but uh, fuck off, okay? But uh, no, I sometimes good. sometimes I get protein styles. Like sometimes I don't <laughs> eat the bun. Depends on what's going on dietary wise or what my weight is and what what's going on at the time. But that being said, I went back to eating a, a bun. Uh, it in and out one time and the bun just had like an oniony taste to me and it's kind of like a it just had like a cheap fast food type bun and five guys definitely has a better bun and better fries and yeah i mean i like both fries but i like five guys the cajun fries and then like having like a good bacon cheese ratio on that patty it's pretty Very good important. but Very all that important. being said the because i don't have because um, In-N-Out is not available most places. Five Guys seems to be spreading around. There's a there's a chain on the East Coast called uh, called Cookout, and uh, I think it's like when I was in North. It's in North Carolina, from what I know. I don't know if it's anywhere else, but it is. You can get a fuck ton of meat for not a, a lot of money. Like you can get like uh, like a pound of meat, and it's only like six dollars or something. Doll and hairs, nice. And it's doll hairs, yeah. And it's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, at that particular time, I did that. That the the girls like the manager says, if you eat that whole burger, then he'll give you a free meal. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'll be back in a few minutes then. And like like four, like seriously, like four minutes. And I wasn't rushing. I was done. And they came over and they're like, what do you want? And I was like, I guess I'll get a pulled pork sandwich, which they put like uh, Texas Pete on it on the pulled pork, and they put yeah. like uh, the fucking what's the little chopped up stuff that comes with pulled pork all the time. Like the cabbage, the uh, uh, coleslaw, coleslaw. Yeah, they put coleslaw on it. Oh, I didn't know that's what you're talking. Get yes, coleslaw, mag. All right, all right. Uh, let Let's save Marat's question till the end. Is that cool? Because that you're gonna you're gonna talk about that a lot. Okay. Right. All right. Because that's gonna be an in depth one and legit questions. So wait till the end for more legit questions. Uh, because now we've got. Well, this is a good one. Matt asks, "Hey guys, you mentioned previous Q and A's if fitting in close grip bench is good to grow strength." Just wondering how you'd fit it into an LP type workout for someone new to lifting. You want to give your opinion first? Or you want me to talk? Go ahead. Uh, if you're doing linear progression, and I, I would just do what you're supposed to be doing and adding close grip later. Just bet. Just do regular style bench, and then start experimenting with adding in close grip later. Uh, you know, you're depending on how long your linear progression lasts. I mean, it could last, you know, a few months. Uh, it could last six months, a year. I don't know. But you're gonna be you're gonna be benching for a long time if you continue to train, so there's no rush to add in close grip. But yes, it's definitely gonna help. Uh, but yeah, I don't think you need to rush to add it in. Thoughts? I would. I mean, I think in the Q and A. I mean, I had over a year of Q and A, so it's hard to know which one he's referring to. I'd have to search it. But I'm pretty sure I usually mention that close grip is more of an intermediate thing anyway. I, I see yeah. it as like an early term intermediate trans sure. thing to throw in. Because like at this point, like with your benching, you're not you're not using close grip as a way to drive your bench or to strengthen your triceps. Like you're Me? on, is that correct? No, I close grip every Monday. See ya. <laughs> is Crystal is Crystal close gripping? 
Well, you're not. Yeah, yeah. Chris close groups every week too, or so, every other week. Okay, so he's still using it. AC doesn't though, right? He just kind of uses it as an accessory movement. Uh, I th- I think so. I think that's pretty. Uh, he does it after he benches. I think I do it on yeah. a separate day after I do log. So obviously well, I'm doing. Different it's kind stuff of like an accessory I, for you. I love I love close. Yeah, because you're doing it like you're, Chris uses it as a primary uh, thing, and you're using it as an accessory movement, and that's what AC is using it for. So, I yes. mean, but the point is that nobody did this in a linear progression. The linear progression is just like, no. hey, just get a systemic training session with the most simple movements, and you're going to get the most benefit out of that. When you try and get too too uh, too fancy in your fucking linear progression, then that just del- delineates away from a proper uh, progression or, like, yep. or progress. Uh, next question is from Kale Beck. Kale asks, to dis- he wants to discuss the aesthetics of his deltoids. I really like hearing about myself, and I just wanted to point out that uh, I think it was the second to last day or the last day I was in Monterey. Uh, Kale and I went to eat after we uh, we did some event training, and uh, he's he was driving, and I was just I don't think he, I don't know if he was wearing a tank top or he was wearing a shirt I can't remember, but I was just looking at how vascular he was. I'm like, man, he's real vascular, and uh, yeah, yeah, he just he's just real uh, he's real real jocked. So uh, yeah, I haven't been that jacked in a long time. So, I need to. I need to meet I just, this guy. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Uh, maybe uh, maybe at the Arnie if we go back to the Arnie. You guys yeah. here for the Arnie? <laughs> <laughs> and just to point out, just real quick, if we ever say the Arnie, and the the reason we say that is because the first time we went to the Arnold, uh, the the driver for the hotel picked us up, and he wasn't really saying anything. And then I think it was Chris, my brother, myself. I don't remember if anyone else was in there. And uh. He just looks in the rearview mirror and goes, "You guys here for the Arnie?" <laughs> and we're like, "What?" He goes, "The Arnie, you here for the Arnie?" Uh, you know, because most people are here for the Arnie, and I'd never heard of anyone call it that, so uh, it stuck. Call it the <laughs> Arnie, huh? I thought it was a Scott Yard thing too. No, no, not Scott Yard thing. <laughs> we need to, we need to get Scott Yard to do one of these. We should do that. That'd be sweet. He's a good uh, dude too. Blaine, we're gonna do one with Blaine. You didn't respond to that, did you? Yeah, we'll... Blaine wants to do one. We'll do that in a few weeks or something. All right. Uh, Alan asks, when I squat low bar, I bring my elbows as far back as my shoulders will comfortably allow. Hold on, slow down, slow down. I can't even understand you. What? Sorry. Alan says, hey, guys, when I squat low bar, I bring my elbows as far back as my shoulders will comfortably allow and try to keep my grip width as wide as I can go without my back going loose. Lately, I've been getting elbow pain when I squat anyway. Any ideas, Hawaii? <laughs> um, all right. So the first thing that I would say is that I think it's kind of a mistake to throw the elbows back as far as possible. Um, I would agree with that. It depends on the person. Um, but the only reason that the elbows are kind of back in a low bar squat is to create a nice little shelf with the rear deltoids. And, and to emphasize that they should be as high as possible, I think, is a mistake, especially with people that have good mobility. Because it puts the shoulders in a weird, like, it's like they're, you're trying to retract the scapula or something, and then you're trying to internally rotate in order to, like, and trying to, like, yeah. contract the external rotators against it and stuff. What's up? Well, here's here's a good point. Would you say, and I think that it's easier to see uh, if people have mobility issues when they low bar, uh, because I think the low bar exposes more mobility issues with your shoulders and with your, uh, I mean, just with your compared your to what muscular compared to high boring. 
Oh, well, I think yeah, it, it, it exposes shoulder mobility. Yeah, but you can see you can see the shoulder. I mean, it requires know, without even seeing him. It you can tell that he's probably got a re his grip is probably way too wide for his uh for his low bar. I don't know why he's trying to keep his grip really wide. Yeah. The the okay. So let me just put a clarifying statement. It may be more showing of the low bar may show the lack of mobility in the shoulders. But the high yes. bar demands more hip mobility. The low yes, bar that, demands yes. much, much less hip mobility, just to clarify that. But, um, yeah, I never have people use a wide grip because a wide grip inherently means that your back is not going to be tight. The more the more narrow you can make your grip comfortably mm -hmm. so that your, your wrist and your elbows are not in a poor position, then the tighter your back is going to be, and therefore the more solid the bar position is going to be on the back. In this case... It, it's almost like an oxy, not an oxymoron, but it's like a paradox to say like I'm going as wide as I can without letting my back go loose. Which... If you're going wide, your back is going to get. If you're going really wide, if he's at the collars, his back is not going to be that yeah. tight. Yeah. Unless he is, unless he's Bill Casmar huge, you know. <laughs> right. So, if but someone's size or their mobility dictates this. But mobility can be a limiting factor in getting the yeah. upper back tight into having a nice shelf for the bar to sit on. And that will make it difficult for uh, keeping the the uh, chest, the thoracic extension too, which it would be relevant to Jeremy's question from earlier about that guy. Like, what is that guy's grip? You know, is his grip too wide? Because if it's too wide and he's too loose, then he's not going to be able to get into a uh, an extended position in his in his thoracic spine. So that was definitely my problem when I started uh, when I started low barring. Yeah, it was definitely my was were my mobility limitations, and I straight up hurt my uh, hurt my biceps. You know, because I allowed my and uh, the elbow pain might be resulting from the same thing. If he's letting the bar, if he's utilizing his, uh, uh, he's letting the bar slide down his back at all, which is what I used to do, right? Yeah, yeah. And I did that because I had not only did I have poor mobility, but my grip was too wide. Uh, so you know, the bar would kind of just sink into my elbows and you know cause a lot of elbow and bicep pain. Uh, and that seems to be pretty common with people that have poor mobility. So definitely working on his mobility is going to be yeah. Uh, that's going to benefit him here. Definitely, like all like opening the internal rotators up so they can stretch more. Uh, working on his external rotators, um, probably needs to change his grip, um, and then not emphasize raising those elbows as high as possible. Like there's one mentality that raising them up will create a shelf, but that's that's in people that are typically like less muscular and have have like average mobility that that will help them make yeah. a shelf. But like. People that have some a little bit of musculature back there, they can kind of like retract their scapular to, scapula together, just pinching the shoulder blades together to kind of create a shelf with the, uh, the like the medial trap, the middle traps, and the and the like the posterior deltoid and the. So he's got a moment. Um, play around the grip. Like it sounds like he's too wide, but of course, like a picture will tell us a thousand words. Like a video will tell us a thousand more. We can't see much without seeing it. <laughs> so. If he wants to post it on the fan page, and we can take a look at it, but um, do mobility, like adjust your grip, and don't keep it so wide, and don't try and flare your like flare your elbows back so much. Okay. Next question is from Scott, and I know Justin really wants to talk about this. Is knee wrap protocol? How should they position the kneecap? Also, what's up with some weightlifters only wrapping the bottom of the knee or the top of the shin? I just like to point out real quick then. Neither Justin or I are, su are super experienced with a powerlifting type knee wrap. Right. I've only wrapped my knees in that style once. I don't think Justin ever has. Have you? 
I've never used powerlifting knee wraps. I've got some. So those like, are very, very yeah. specific with with yeah. how you want to wrap your knees for that. And there are a lot of good videos out there uh, for people that either have others wrap their knees, or I think Blaine has a video where he wraps his own knees and talks about you know how he wraps his own knees. Yeah. So, and so we're not talking about um, knee wrap. I'm not going to talk about knee wrapping for any performance purpose as far as you know gear powerlifting or even uh, raw powerlifting with the knee wraps I'm not going to talk about that but what I do want to say is that so I don't know your position the kneecap I don't know that's not my that's not what I do um, yeah. but the reason that some weightlifters only wrap the bottom of the knee the top of the the top of their tibia the top of their shin is because the quadriceps come down and they come into a common tendon that attaches on the top of the patella the patella is the kneecap and then there is a, it, it's actually a ligament, but it's referred to as a tendon that is called the patellar tendon that it attaches the bottom of the patella to the front of the shin on this bony landmark. It's kind of like a lump on the front of your shin, which is the tibia right there. It's called the tibial tuberosity. And so the tendon comes down and attaches right there. And so they're basically putting pressure on that. And that's that what they're what they're doing is they might be warming that up and keeping that pliable because that's what actually might be painful because they have a lot of anterior stress and weightlifting as far as like receiving snatches and cleans um, but also by having a little bit of compression on those tendons help like it almost makes it makes them want to extend the knee having like some circumfer circumferential pressure if that makes any sense like having that around uh, the upper part of the the tibia will want to make the the knee extend. So try try it. Like you can take like an ace bandage or something and wrap it around above your knee and only that area. And you don't have to even do it that tight. And then do a squat down and then squat up and see what it feels like. It almost like feels like it it pushes you up, right? And then do that under your knee because what you have is the gastroc down there. The gastrocnemius is the calf muscle that gives the nice like a uh, horseshoe look, and uh, that crosses the knee. And so well, that is a, a knee flexure. So if you start uh, compressing that, it almost like kind of want to makes it extend. So I'm not saying it helps the knee extend by by doing some changing the properties of the gastroc, but when you when you put pressure on things that cross a joint, it affects the mechanics of that joint and typically wants to make to help it extend. And it and it it like I don't know. It almost enhances the the work of those muscles. And I can if you want a more specific muscular breakdown of that like mechanics then. I can do that some other time, but I don't want to lose anybody. So if you wrap the entirety of your knee, as and I do this as part of my warm up, Mike. Every time I squat, because of my uh, um, like kind of hiking a lot and stuff, and has uh, ir sometimes irritates my knees. So in the times that I was hiking a lot and I did a lot of mileage or something with maybe some decent amount of weight, then uh, I would have to. As part of my warm-up, I would wrap around my uh, kneecap and put a little pressure on my patella. So I'd wrap it tighter across my patella, the front of the knee, and then I would just walk around and then I'd do like some bodyweight squats and then squats with the bar, and then I'd take those off. And I don't wear them when I squat, but those significantly help my knee warm up because it's kind of like what Kelly Sturrett calls the voodoo band stuff, which I don't like that term, but it it, uh, it basically is compressing tissues and getting them uh, and helping to mob them essentially, soft tissue work. So it's like tacking tissues down and then they're elongating and, and contracting under a pressure and it just helps them become more pliable and opens up the range of motion and uh, specifically when you put pressure on the patella sometimes that's where you can get some like bursa sacs that are irritated or some sort of crepitus noise underneath the the, the kneecap and so by wrapping them it kind of like helps warm that area up 
And so la last year when I was uh, doing more weightlifting, I uh, would wrap my knees when I would clean heavy and it had a profound effect on squatting up out of the bottom. It's so, it might be real, it's something to play around with Mike if you wanted to put light wraps on just to keep your knees warm. But you wear uh, the rebands, right? Yeah, it's probably something I'm gonna start doing once at my, because uh, I'm only hand cleaning 205 now. So it's not like it's, it's a lot of weight <clears throat> compared to what I squat. So maybe once I start getting to like the high twos or low 300s for hanging power cleans, then yeah, I'll probably start wrapping my knees. But for now, I mean, I, I really don't feel like it's too necessary. But I, I will do it eventually. I was talking about more like squatting, not even the cleans. But oh, but uh, but uh, it, I, I the, don't know. I, the point being I mean, that if you if you yeah. light if a person lightly wraps their knees and they've never done it before, they're gonna notice how much that actually helps. And that oh, yeah. that exposes like how much you can get out of gear because because like on with our website and what we compete in or what we coach in, like we don't do any gear lifting and we don't pretend to know much about it but it helps quite a bit and so like if someone has really really tight knee wraps and they're using a suit that's it's just it's just shocking how much i think that that could help uh push weight and so i'm not a fan of gear lifting but it's it it definitely helps move the movement that's why they fucking do it you know well perfect example is that you know or a couple of examples is that when i was in california i tried knee wraps uh that day when I was at super training and I did 505 for five easily with knee wraps. And I, I mean, it was, uh, you know, the weight still kind of felt like, I mean, it still felt like 505, 505, but, uh, I mean, out of the bottom and man, I felt so much better. Yeah. Uh, and those were pretty, pretty aggressive knee wraps. Uh, and then, you know, last night, Brandon Lilly squatted 760 in knee sleeves and he's done 854 in, uh, in knee wraps. So, you yeah. know, the, the, the knee wraps now, I mean, you can get quite a bit out of them. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that everyone's going to get like 100 pounds out of them, but, you know, you can definitely get at least 50 pounds out of knee wraps. Uh, good on good to Chris, uh, Chris J's question at the bottom. Well, uh, just real quick, let me just do Dan's real fast. Uh, Dan asked about mobility frequency and specific warm-ups prior to squat workouts. Just to say this real fast, I do uh, – I do have specific warm-ups prior to squat workouts. Someone asked me about uh, how much mobility I do, how often I do it, and I was trying to think of a good way to uh, to address this in a Q&A type or like a video format without getting too long, without doing the actual mobility movements uh, in the video. So I think I, I figured out what I'm going to do. So Dan, I will make a video kind of addressing that in the next few weeks or something. And then the last question. Hold on, uh, hold on. I've got a video. Yeah. There's some videos I have on. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That just yeah. address like doing the couch stretch and doing yeah. what, what I just call the table stop, tabletop stretch, which is when you're in flexion, external rotation on like a, on a bench or something, and like, it just depends on where your mobility limitations are. And if you're sitting down a lot, then you're gonna have to open up the front of your hips, and and probably the the lateral part of the hips. So like if you lacrosse ball your lateral, your external rotators, so like the side of your your like glutes. Uh, with your hip inflection, like you're in the bottom of a squat, if you do that and then you uh, couch stretch and stuff, that that can be pretty significant in opening up the up the hips in order to squat better, because that's where most people's deficiency is. But of course, like what mobility is going to be best is going to be dependent on the individual, and then mobility frequency. If you have problems, then you need to do it every fucking day, and that's hopefully. I mean, we've I think we've said that now in every podcast we've done. So do it every day yeah. and that'll help your deficiencies. Cause if you're sitting down for three hours or four hours or six, to <clears throat> even eight hours a day, then you're gonna have to put time in to reverse all of that 
shortening of your tissue. So do it every day. Uh, and then the last question that I'm going to talk about, and then I'm going to let Justin do the very last one. Uh, Chris asked, after watching Mike's deadlift starting position, just wanted to get your thoughts on doing red swipe for a person individually versus doing what the book says is correct. Mike looks like he gets more out of hips lower, so say I prefer this too. How do I know I'm not just using bad form? Dumb question. All right. So to be clear, I mean, the reason that I deadlift the way I do is because of my uh, – well, how I used to deadlift is probably a lot of because of my mobility limitations, but how I deadlift currently has a lot to do with my anthropometry. Uh, it's really difficult for me to get my T-spine fully extended in the bottom of the deadlift. It's really easy for me to do it in the bottom of the clean, uh, you know, my starting position for a clean, but I've tried deadlifting like that, uh, and it I can't, I can't pull anything. I mean, I can't pull over 500 pounds like that, at least not easily. Uh, and then, you know, I go back to more of a, I, I keep my lumbar tight and then have a little bit of T-spine rounding. Uh, and I attempt, I, I mean, I, I don't yank the bar. I try to pull the bar into myself. Uh, and that that's what works for me. Uh, so I, I wouldn't try to emulate exactly what I do. But if you're keeping your, your lumbar extended and you have a little bit of T-spine rounding, and I'm guessing that's what you're saying you're doing, uh, then that's not, that's not terrible. Uh, I mean, I, I would continue to try to, to work on your mobility. I mean, I, I, it's a daily, uh, uh, I work on it daily, so I'm trying to get better. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're gonna have, once you start getting closer to, I don't know, let's just say over 600 pounds, uh, it might not look exactly like it is in the book. Chris has pretty textbook form. I mean, you can look at Chris. Well, it's, hold on, it's important to note your the what you mean by anthropometry, because Mike has yeah. long femurs, his, his thigh bone is long, but his torso is short. And in contrast, Chris has a long torso and short femurs, which is pretty much like the optimal body type for pulling or squatting. Yes. And Chris has pretty long arms too. So Chris has like a really good frame. And, and luckily Mike has long arms to, to make up for a short torso. So it like, what, is, what that does for Mike is it pushes his hips farther back. So when he used to deadlift before he kind of started modifying it, he was pretty bent over to the point where he was more, much more horizontal than someone like Chris. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just, it was problematic, right? You weren't, you, you it kind of like you couldn't get any, uh, like quad involvement out of it. Cause you're just, were you're bent over at the hip so much. Would you say that that was it? Or what would you, how'd you compare? Yeah, it? And I, I think what exacerbated that problem was that was pulling with a belt. So what I've had to start doing, I, I really, I, Cannot, almost cannot get in a good position with a belt in the bottom of the deadlift. I, I, I just don't pull with a belt anymore. And I'm going to try to pull next month, pull over 600 without a belt, because it feels good. I mean, Even, this is the first what this about, is the first time my deadlift has felt good in years. What about, uh, what about with your, didn't you get a, a smaller diameter belt? It doesn't, it, it, it helps it a little bit, but I mean, it still puts me in, I'm still not in a good position. I think it's because you have a bit of a belly. Yeah, I got a bit of a belly, a really short torso. Long. I mean, I, I'm totally screwed, anthropometry-wise. If I had short arms, I probably couldn't even pull four or five. The belly thing, you though, know? just just to clarify, uh, is it's like having having more girth in the midsection, especially because Mike's midsection, like his length of his of his torso, is shortened. So it's almost like you take a cylinder of play-doh or a turd, I guess, and you smush it down. It'll it'll squish out sideways, you know. And that's kind of how Mike's torso is compared to someone like Chris's or whatever. So like his, yeah. his midsection gets in the way of his thighs because he also has big thighs. And so he's had to play around with it. And uh, I'd, probably, I'd probably be better off pulling sumo, honestly. But the reason that I don't is because you can't pull sumo in, in strongman. You just can't do it. Yeah. So 
why am I going to train something that I mean I like powerlifting, but I'm not going to train something that I can't, that I'm not going to be able to perform in a competition. Yeah, I mean it might be. So. I mean, have you pulled sumo recently? Have you messed around with it? I, I, I tried, but it, I, that's when I was having a lot of knee problems, and it it hurt my knee even more, so I, I stopped doing it. Yeah. But I mean, it might. Be I might try it again. You know, it might be something that yeah. kind of helps strengthen your hips, but like you said, you just can't do it in competition, so it's not going to be your primary pulling. It'd be an, it'd be an accessory movement, you know what I mean? But yeah. no, it's this isn't a dumb question, but I mean, definitely do your best to work on your mobility because it can get better. I mean, if you look at my deadlift from a few years ago compared to what it looks like now, it's it's a lot better. So, do you want to do this last question? The yeah, very last we'll question. see how we can do it in a concise manner. All right, Marat asks. Been wanting to address paleo for lifters in the pot. Been waiting for you to release address paleo for lifters on the podcast. What are your thoughts on nutrition? Are they still in line with the book? Keep eating the same throughout the day, not worrying about food timing. Also, what would be the, be the path for someone in the middle? Not overweight, not skinny. Five seven, hundred eighty two pounds, thirteen to fifteen percent body fat. Recently gained seven pounds. Want to keep the weight, reduce body fat. Currently doing five three one, adding a front squat day plus some. CrossFit net cottons three days a week. Trying to slowly gain strength in my lifts, get better conditioning, look better while wearing short shorts. Please advise. Um, it's. I think it's. I don't think there's much ambiguity with this question. But so he was first. He asked, "Are your thoughts on nutrition still in line with what you what I outline in the book, and that you don't you worrying like food timing is is not as important as just eating the same." eating consistently throughout the day and eating consistently day to day and that's my thing um the way that i look at nutrition because i don't know mike have you ever seen a, a nutrition plan that someone makes and it just has an incredibly like it literally has detailed like you will eat this amount of weight of this item at this time and so i mean that works that works for bodybuilders i mean if you're a competitive bodybuilder but right but a competitive bodybuilder is has borderline personality disorder and stuff uh, the worst kind, but no, I mean body like bodybuilding and, and aesthetics are very different than performance because you can do things yes. you can do things to your body that are not optimal for it to perform or to even like function very well, like ketosis uh -huh. and stuff like that, and that that does not bode well for staying strong or or actually going into your to the gym and having a good workout or having a good performance based workout every day yeah and I mean, yeah and my my training philosophy is predicated on performance and that is and the byproduct of that is just good fitness and the byproduct of that is good health assuming someone has good recovery so that's like my training philosophy in a very small nutshell and then my nutrition philosophy is to is basically get a, you get a good foundation and work from there and the spe the specifics are not as important as the big picture so with nutrition i look at macronutrients first like how much protein carbs and fat is someone getting and then i go from there to food quality because if food quality is addressed then it pretty much takes care of a lot of stuff and uh, there's a few posts i did on the website where it has step by step of how to address food quality because with people that are have Food, food intake is so habitual that it's difficult to change. So you basically have to, maybe the person commits to, all right, the next two weeks, I'm not going to drink soda. And I'm not going to worry about all the other shit. I'm just going to not drink soda. And that might be their thing. So that's, that's a real quick example on just improving food quality. So I, what I said in the book, and I stand by this, is that food, the timing of your food is not as important as getting a consistent macronutrient intake every day. 
So, for example, if someone is worried about what should my pre-workout uh, meal be, well, and, and at the same time, they are not even getting the minimum amount of protein they need to get every day, then it doesn't fucking matter what they do. And another way of looking at that is, is like, wh what should my, my pre-workout meal be? But they have, that day, they haven't eaten very well up to that point. I'm, I'm all about like setting up your, your previous like three meals basically will set up your training session, whether you're training in the morning or in the afternoon. So I'm all about like being consistent with just what you eat so that you're in a state that can perform. And, you know, sleep is a huge part of that. And recovery is a huge part of all these things. So I'm not concerned with the timing of meals. I'm concerned with in the past 10 days, have you met your protein requirement? Because if only you only did it on five of those days, then the timing in which you're eating today doesn't fucking matter because you're not doing it good enough on a regular basis. So that's that's my philosophy with nutrition. And also my philosophy is not to say to him, you need to eat exactly this many carbs or exactly this much fat. I'm a little bit more like that with protein because I'll say like, all right, you know, here's a general amount of protein that you should be getting. So that's about a pound of meat a day for a given person or pound and a half or two pounds. And then depending what their goals are, I might say like, all right, then you should probably have about this many carbs. So start with this amount of potatoes in a day because I'm going after the whole paleo approach and then tweak it based on what happens to your body composition. So that's kind of the philosophy and you can read more about that in the Paleo for Lifters book. It's on the website. Um, so his example, he's 5'7", he's 182. His body fat's pretty decent, 13 to 15% body fat. Uh, he recently gained seven pounds. He wants to he wants to drop body fat, but keep his muscle. But what he has to understand is that he may he has to build muscle while dropping body fat in order to maintain his weight. Does that make sense? Like, if he wants to maintain weight but lose body fat, then in that process he's going to have to increase lean body mass, right? So he gained seven pounds. All of those seven pounds are not muscle. So. Some of it may have been a little bit of fat, and if he wa wants to reduce his body fat, then he might lose a few pounds in, in total weight if he doesn't gain any weight or gain any muscle. So it the time frame in which he wants to accomplish this matters. But now we're getting into specifics, and I don't like specifics too much with nutritional consulting or advice or whatever. So he's doing 531. Uh, he has an extra front squat day, and he's doing some uh, high-intensity conditioning. Uh, I don't know if he's done the high-intensity conditioning while he gained the seven pounds. That's relevant to me because when people come to me for fat loss, I want to increase, I want to improve their food quality and then throw in high intensity conditioning. Cause I use, perf I use the adaptations of performance to get results with aesthetics as opposed to doing things to the body. Like, you know, I tried that whole, I like recommending that whole, uh, fasted cardio stuff. And that shit just isn't good for lifters. You know, like I don't, I don't like stuff that does that. So I like to use stuff like high intensity conditioning cause it improves it improves a bunch of physiological factors that result in them lowering their body fat as a, compared to starving themselves and then walking for an hour, you know? So if he just added that conditioning, then he just needs to continue mission. Just fucking do that. Like, go with this program and see what happens. Um, so I kind of didn't answer much of his question at all. I just kind of made a bunch of clarifications and like, yeah, I'm still, my philosophy is still the same as in the book. You're, you want to lose body fat? Then... What what is your carb intake? You might have to tweak that carb intake. You might have to start playing around with some with some carb timing, which I'm not a huge fan of. I'd rather see someone eat consistently, but he could try eating carbs in the morning and kind of tapering them off in the evening and just sticking with more vegetables. That's kind of just like a, a bro science natural bodybuilding method, and it still provides enough carbohydrates to perform well in a day. And then of course, like people nowadays do it where 
uh, carb backloading is they eat carbs in the evening and then don't eat any in the morning. And what you're, what you're doing by playing around with carb timing is you're playing around with hormones. And so kind of doing it blindly, it, it just a, like some people can function right now, they can function with, without carbs in the morning and sometimes they can't. And you have to get your body adapted to that. So I'm less of a fan of that, but a lot, like I think Chris has been playing around with that and he says it had helped, but it's the, the key is that like someone's not eating carbs part of the day and they're probably lowering their carb intake. So when you, when you want to lose body fat, you got to eat more protein though. There's some posts about that on the website. You just search protein. So this guy, Marat, you just have to fucking, if you just added conditioning, then keep doing that. If you, if you've been doing the same program for the last few months, then start, start playing with your, with your, uh, your carb intake and don't get it below 100 grams and I say that in the book the paleo for lifters book but you know I'm gonna need more information to be more specific but he seems to be on the right track like he's got pretty good body fat you don't really want to get much below 8% you know and he, he so if he's trying to get down to like 10 then he's gonna have to play around with uh, the carbs and make sure he's not eating bad food I would look at his quality of food over anything else first I should have mentioned that to begin with and you that's a, good. That's, that's all I got on that, Mike. I think I think we're good then, man. Yeah, I got to roll. You got, you got anything else to say? Drive nine to five. Okay, that's productive. If you want more of this nonsense, you can go to seventies big. <laughs> you can go to seventies big You can go to facebook.com slash seventies big for the fan page, or you can go to at seventies big on Twitter. You can send us some stuff, and we will be glad to ignore it. All right. <laughs> Later. See ya.